Welcome to Illinois Family Spotlight, a conversation about issues of the day from a biblical perspective, as well as highlights from interviews, conferences, and events. Here's Monty Larrick. Thanks for making Illinois Family Spotlight part of your day. We're highlighting remarks made by Sam Sorbo during the Illinois Family Institute's 2022 Faith, Family, and Freedom Banquet. In addition to acting, Ms. Sorbo is a filmmaker, radio host, and an advocate for education freedom. Her book, They're Your Kids, chronicles her family's experience with homeschooling. Here are some of her insights on education through the lens of faith, family, and freedom. So I like to start my talk with an apology. I'm going to offend you. It's sort of my job these days. I didn't really choose this, uh, this mission that I'm on. It was chosen for me, uh, but I'm stuck with it because I'm gonna try to challenge you to think about education differently. We are all enslaved by the school system. All of us, because why? We went to school. And so what we think about education has been informed and almost only informed by our experience at school, what we were taught, defined education by the educators who, I don't need to mention what they're up to these days, but if they turned out what we're witnessing in the schools today, we have to think back on ourselves and what we might have missed out on or might be thinking about wrong. For instance, how many of you in this crowd think that you're not, you don't have a math brain? Yep, some people over there, anybody else? You know, a lot of people very freely will just admit, yeah, I don't have a math brain, that's not me. And how many people think that if you're a math person, you're not really a language arts person, and if you're a language arts person, you're not really a math person, right? Yeah, that's a lie. That's a lie from the pit of hell. That's a lie against God. There is no such thing as a math brain. There isn't. There's no such thing as a French brain. There's no such thing as a chiropractor brain. We all have brains and they all function in roughly the same way. And some people are more interested in different things because they have giftings, God-given giftings. So I wanna challenge you to think about education differently. For instance, how many people here support the Second Amendment? Okay, I'm, I'm sorry to say this. I, I don't know how else to couch it, but we've basically lost that. And the reason that I say that we've lost the Second Amendment is because in 10 years, the little boys who are going to school today under zero tolerance policies, who are learning that guns are evil and they should never ever pick up a gun, draw a gun or bring in a G.I. Joe gun that's two inches long, and they get reprimanded and suspended. And by the way, when they're suspended, who's being punished? The parents. And then the parents say to the child, don't ever go near a gun. You should never go near a gun. You should never look at a gun. You shouldn't, right? Those are the children who will be voting in 10 years. So we are in a dire predicament now. But the good news is Gideon whittled the army down to 300 and looks like we're gonna start there <laughs> and hopefully grow it, right? and we can do great things through God. So I wanna tell you that you've been lied to by the education system. We've all been lied to our whole lives long. 
And we've been lied to because our parents were lied to the generation before us, and their parents the generation before them. And in fact, today we're living in a largely unparented society. We don't even know how to parent. Many of you in the room accepting, of course, we, are, we hold ourselves apart from the culture at large, but I'm speaking about the culture at large, and you are a part of that to a certain degree. And so, for instance, what's the first thing that you learn in school that you have to do if you want to ask a question? And some of you actually do it, right? We're so, it's so ingrained in us. You have to raise your hand. But think about that. There's a lesson in there. What does that teach you? And by the way, it's visceral. I embody this lesson. I embody it every time I'm overwhelmed by the urge to ask a question. I have to draw attention to myself. What else does it teach you? You must ask permission to learn. You have to ask permission. You have to ask permission to speak. It does teach you patience, that the teacher knows everything, you know nothing. She's the spigot of information. You need permission to access that. In fact, it's a deterrent. Having to raise your hand to ask a question is a deterrent to asking questions. So really, if you think about it, the first lesson you learn in school is don't ask. And a lot of children learn that lesson. How many of you are reluctant to raise your hands? You can just think about that for a minute. You're reluctant to shout out the answer. So the first lesson that they learn in school is don't ask. What is an education? I mean, we never really ask ourselves. We just, we say we want our kids to get a good education, but we don't really ask what, what we mean by that. We, that's just part of the vernacular, get a good education. What do we mean by that? Can we agree that education is perhaps at least a quest for knowledge? What does that start with? Asking questions. And in fact, I would, I would submit to you that education, we ought to be thinking about education as the search for God. Why? Because God created everything. So whatever we learn, we're learning about God. Of course, we don't know that from our schooling because they teach us that God's a fairy tale. The Bible's just a good story. World religions, they're all the same. It's a crutch for weak people. That's a lie. But when you drop your children off at the school door, you're tacitly telling them, mommy doesn't know. The school knows better than I do. They have authority. So when the child comes home with a lesson from the teacher that conflicts with mommy's lessons, who wins? The parents have already abdicated their authority. When the child comes home demonstrating against the parent, rebelling, who wins? The school, because that's the child learns to rebel against the parents by the parents telling the child, I don't have the authority, the school has the authority. The second thing you learn in school is failure is bad. Do we have any entrepreneurs in the room? Any small business people? What's your secret to success? <laughs> failure, right? Thomas Edison said, I didn't fail 10,000 times, I just found 10,000 ways to not invent a light bulb. But he still invented the light bulb, right? Failure's actually a good thing. In fact, I had a friend who used to come home from school and her father would say, where did you fail today? Because he wanted to celebrate that she tried something that she couldn't do. We ought to celebrate failure. We ought to embody that, that uh, just take that message in and use it on our own kids. Where'd you fail today? I'm so proud of you, because you tried. That's awesome, right? But the school teaches us failure's bad. What's the lesson in that? Think about it. What is the lesson in failure is bad? Don't try. Don't ask, don't try. And the last thing, of course, in school, the, the main question is, teacher, will this be on the exam? What is that? That's because I don't want to learn anything that I don't have to learn to pass the test, just to get through this, to get on to the next level. Really, that lesson is don't think. 
And that's why we're living in a culture of trust the expert. The culture of trust the expert that we're living in today has been engendered by our schools. And we have to rethink the way we think about education because it's a slippery slope and we're headed the wrong way. So I became a homeschool advocate with my own three kids. You know, people say, oh, but what about socialization, right? That's a big question. What about socialization? What makes you think that they're accomplishing socialization in school? Just because you went to school and you consider yourself social, why do you think you learned it in school? But you do. I was socialized in school. What? Why? Why do you think that? Because you don't have another frame of reference. Maybe if you hadn't gone to school, you would be more social. I don't know, my son, I pulled him out second grade. He has 2.2 million followers on TikTok. I think he's pretty social. In fact, just a quick story, our son Braden, when he was in first grade in our little public school, all the fifth graders knew his name. He was like the big man on camera. I don't know how he did it. I was just amazed. I would just stand gape-jawed because, you know, what he was doing in the, in the school. He used to make his own play dates. I had parents come over to the house, get out of the car, and see me and go, oh, is this okay? I just realized I didn't talk to you. I just talked to your seven-year-old. <laughs> Socialization doesn't happen in schools. Socialization, the socialism indoctrination happens in schools. So when somebody says to you, what about socialization? You say, I don't want my child to be a socialist. <laughs> so don't ask, don't try, don't think. The secret to creativity is always to ask, but the child's creativity is shut down inside the school walls. That's why don't even do school with your child. Open the world to them. Encourage them to ask questions. Don't be beholden to one curriculum and make sure that you dot all the I's and cross all the T's. That's your own insecurity from having gone to school and thinking that they know what they're doing, forcing itself on you and imposing that stricture on your child. It's not necessary. And so that's why I wrote my book, The Playbook for Home Learning. And it's a workbook for the parents. <laughs> because I could stand up here all night talking about the other problems in our schools, the other, the other challenges that the schools have basically put in front of you as an, as an adult person. We don't teach our children, well, okay, as Christians we teach our children virtue, but do you really cognitively teach your child virtue or do you just hope that they absorb it because they go to church with you, right? Do you teach your child how to mourn the loss of a, of a loved one? Do you teach your child how to do charitable works? Do you teach your child how to balance a checkbook? Not that we use checkbooks anymore, but you know what I mean. Right? Financial literacy. That's a huge component of being a productive individual in, in our society. Do you teach your child that they have value? Do you give them chores? A lot of families have stopped, stopped giving chores. Part of, I think part of the depression that's gone ramp is they're not given chores to do. And it used to be that when you grew up on the farm or wherever, if you didn't get the chores done, those cows suffered. <laughs> those pigs didn't get fed. The baby didn't get the di diaper changed or whatever. You were a, a, a cog in the wheel. You were a necessary component of that family. And these days, these kids are growing up latchkey. Both parents work. They don't have anything. They don't have responsibility. And we wonder why they're so aimless and they, did, they don't have any hope. But there's a way out, and that's why I, I wrote my book. I want to 
encourage you to share this message with people you know, with young families. Education freedom advocate, actor, and filmmaker Sam Sorbo. More of her remarks from the Illinois Family Institute's 2022 Faith, Family, and Freedom Banquet after this. It's a big evening you don't want to miss. The Illinois Family Institute's Faith, Family, and Freedom Banquet with best-selling author and nationally syndicated radio host Eric Metaxas. Friday, November 3rd at the Bolingbroke Golf Club. To attend, click events at IllinoisFamily.org. We're talking about religious freedom being constricted by the state. Will the church wake up and say, this is wrong? Eric Metaxas is the author of Bonhoeffer, Amazing Grace, and his latest book, Letter to the American Church, is a wake-up call for Christians to speak out and protect religious liberty. If you will speak up, things will change if we would but try. Eric Metaxas and the IFI Faith, Family, and Freedom Banquet, Friday, November 3rd at the Bolingbrook Golf Club. To attend, click events at IllinoisFamily.org, IllinoisFamily.org. With a one-minute look at culture from a Christian worldview, I'm John Stone Street with The Point. Local authorities of a coastal English town are dropping the threat of legal charges against Adam Smith Connor for praying silently outside an abortion clinic. In a video of the incident, a police officer, obviously uncomfortable, asked Smith Connor to describe the nature of his prayer, adding that she doesn't want to probe. She suggests Smith Connor could be violating the town's buffer zone rule, which outlaws quote-unquote acts of disapproval outside abortion clinics. Ultimately, the officers say they believe he's allowed to pray silently but then they still fine him. He refused to pay it. Look, people have to stand up to government overreach for all kinds of reasons. This is one of them. It's easier to be a council member and pass an ordinance from safely inside City Hall than to be the police officer charged with enforcing it even while their gut is saying this isn't right. And Christians who are called to live not by lies, as Alexander Solzhenitsyn put it, may have to make the tough choices of whom they must serve. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street. Thanks for joining Illinois Family Spotlight for this edition. We're featuring remarks made by Sam Sorbo during the Illinois Family Institute's 2022 Faith, Family, and Freedom Banquet. Ms. Sorbo is an actor, filmmaker, author, radio host, and an education freedom advocate. I've decided I'm going to, I'm throwing down the gauntlet. I want young families to avoid school. So if it's just kindergarten, Keep your child home. If they miss a year of school in kindergarten, what's the big deal? And at the same time, embark a little bit on this journey of education. You're going to because you're going to feel so compelled that your child's going to fall behind, whatever that means, right? So kindergarten. And then when first grade comes, go, eh, maybe try it for one more year, right? And then second grade is, I don't know, first grade was kind of easy. Let's try second grade. It's more rewarding than you ever imagined. Why? Because it's God's design. The Bible's very clear. And nowhere in the Bible does it say, find a good school for your child. <laughs> nowhere. It's very clear. Twice in the Bible, it admonishes grandparents to educate the children. And everywhere else, it's parents. Teach them my words. Parents, teach them diligently. So the good news is, that's the freedom mindset. The kids who are being homeschooled today they understand that they have been given a gift, by and large, and they are understanding the gift that is the nation that we enjoy today. And I believe that 
home-educated children are going to lead the new revolution. We're going to open it up to questions. I want to thank you all for being so fervent in your faith, for being so devoted to this great task for such a time as this. And, uh, you know, Christ never promised us an easy path. He said, in this heart, in this life, you will have hardship, but be assured because I have overcome the world. The scripture teaches that there's no greater calling than to make disciples. Here's the question. Why is it that so many Christian parents don't understand that. The answer to that is they went to school. <laughs> Here's the thing, okay, I understand that to a hammer everything looks like a nail, and so my answer to most questions is because they went to school. <laughs> most of the problems that we are having in our culture today is because we went to school, and they didn't take religion out of school. Every school is a religious school. Every school is indoctrination. And here's what they did. They said, hey, we shouldn't have religion in school. So let's take the Bible out of school. And, and the Christian church said, oh, okay. They didn't, they tried to fight it, but they were ineffective. And so, and the, and the Christian community was ineffective at fighting it. So they took the Bible out of school to convince us that this was an okay thing. They told us that education is the three R's. Here's another lie, everyone. What are the three R's? Are they three R's? So we know that it's a lie, but we went along with it because why? Because they're the educators. They, they're self-appointed elites who have appointed themselves to rule over us, and somehow we, we go along with it because they've convinced us that they know so much. Well, at this point, we see they know so much that isn't true. But what's happened is they convinced us it's the three R's. Now we're scrambling and saying, hey, why are you doing all of this sex agenda in our schools and the CRT and the Common Core and all of this? Why are you doing that? It's supposed to be just the three R's. And they're going back to basics and they're saying, it's not the three R's, it's indoctrination. Because indoctrination is education. It is putting the doctrine into the child, putting the belief system into the child. And if it's not Christian, it's a different doctrine. And so they just have a different doctrine. But every school is a religious school. We bought the lie of the three R's, and now we have to get away. And that's why I say education is the three F's. It's the three F's, faith, family, and freedom. Why? Faith is who you are and where you're going. Family, sort of how you get there because you learn your faith in your family. Your family is your relationship. And I will tell you that the parents are the representation of God to the child, so that the relationship that the child has to the parent, when the child grows into an adult, he will transfer that relationship to God the Father. That's why we want to keep our children home with us. And then freedom, she can't have the, the other two without freedom. So we need freedom in part of that trilogy. This lady has a question. My question is this. With Common Core in now, they're changing the college testing so that Common Core kids will be able to pass it, but the kids that are homeschooled won't. What are we going to do about that? Okay, so it's such a good question. We have so little faith, right? First of all, why college? Not what college, why college? Secondly, which college? 
right? A college that is looking at those tests is not a college that you want. It just isn't. It's like, we are so enslaved to the school system in this nation. The second thing that I want to say is that many homeschool kids are clever enough to figure that out and work their way around it. And I actually have some of this in my, um, in my book, There Are Your Kids, because I was seeing this as I took my kids out of school. I was then getting involved in all the Common Core fighting it and everything. It's anti-child. And so this idea, but what about college? It doesn't matter. They're convincing children that they are a different gender. I just interviewed Chloe Cole on my program. Chloe is a young woman in uh, California who declared herself to be a male, did the top surgery, suffers tremendously from it, and after less than a year decided that she had made a bad decision. She is now living life as a young woman again. The school was all on board with that. I don't know why you even mess with that. If you have a babysitter, who by the way you interview more than you interview your first grade teacher, okay? You have a babysitter, you go home and you discover that the babysitter slapped your child. Does the babysitter get a second chance? Why are we giving these people a second chance at our child? Children. We have a question over here. I'm almost 80 years old, and for at least 50, 60 years, I have been saying school is a communist plot designed to break up families. And I told a teacher that a couple of years ago, and she agreed with me. Our schools are not broken. They're working exactly as they were designed to work. I say this a lot, the core competency of our schools is to teach us how incompetent we are. And I want to encourage you all today, you are more competent than you think you are. What does America look like five to 10 years from now if we see continued growth of Christian home education and Christian schools? It looks better than it looks today. I'll say that. We need the word of God. I know that you're all aware that they're changing our language, right? They're redefining our words. For instance, the word proficient. In Ohio, it's 38%. And then they get away with calling that school proficient, okay? So they're, they're, changing, our, they're changing our word. What's the definition of a woman? Well, we have a Supreme Court justice who doesn't know. But what you have to understand is that that's an attack on God. Because in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Actor, filmmaker, radio host, author, and education freedom advocate Sam Sorbo during the Illinois Family Institute's 2022 Faith, Family, and Freedom Banquet. Now be sure to join renowned author and radio host Eric Metaxas for IFI's 2023 banquet, Friday, November 3rd, at the Bolingbrook Golf Club. If you'd like to attend, click events at IllinoisFamily.org or call 708-781-9328. Seating is limited, so be sure to act soon. You may want to purchase a table or even be a benefactor. Click events at IllinoisFamily.org or call the IFI office at 708-781-9328. Please give to IFI. Donations are tax-deductible and provide resources to help us bring biblical sanity to government, even in Illinois.
Be sure to click donate at IllinoisFamily.org or call the IFI office at 708-781-9328. And while you're visiting the homepage, sign on for IFI's timely email updates. Please tell your family and friends about Illinois Family Spotlight. And until next time, stay healthy, stay active, and God bless. For more information about Illinois Family Spotlight, visit ifiaction.org. And to email questions and comments, do so at feedback at ifiaction.org.